You can get your Bibles out and open your Bibles to our passage for this morning, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Or, excuse me, it's verses 8 to 14. Um, I'm sure it's all on the same page. Ephesians chapter 1, (laughs) verses 8 to 14. I'm going to read it for us this morning. I'm going to start in uh, the second half of verse 8. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 to 14. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we too have been claimed as God's own possession, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. That was the word of the Lord. Well, I want to share with you one of my favorite stories that a professor of mine used to share with us. Um, it supposedly happened many years ago in a, in a Greyhound racetrack here in Florida. Um, there was a Greyhound race that was uh, about to begin, and the dogs were crouched in their cages and ready to go. And while betting spectators put in their final wagers, The gun went off, and the mechanical rabbit, with its artificial fur, began zipping down the racetrack, and the dogs took off, chasing after it. Well, shortly after the race began, however, there was some sort of electrical short in the system. The rabbit stopped, exploded, and burst into flames, and poof. All that was left with was a smoldering fire on something that no longer looked like a bunny. Interestingly, interestingly enough, without a, a lure to chase, the dogs became confused and had no idea what to do. Some dogs simply stopped running and they laid down on the track, tongues hanging out, panting. Some dogs kept running, but in the confusion, ran straight into a wall. Other dogs chased their tails while still others sat and howled at the spectators. There was not a single dog that finished the race. I wonder if many of us are very much like our greyhound friends in this story. Without a goal, without a purpose, we struggle to finish the race. In our passage today, Paul is going to remind us of the goal that has been given to us by God, how we have been chosen for his grand plan for his creation. Now, we're in Ephesians, we're in the, the second half of, this, of the longest sentence in the New Testament. Okay, If you remember a few weeks ago during our Easter series, I did the first half, and I thought, you know what? 
it's kind of rude for me to interrupt Paul and not finish the sentence. So I decided we should do the second half of this sentence. Uh, the, the sentence is Ephesians 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. All right, longest sentence in the New Testament, clause upon clause upon clause, 202 words in the Greek. It's as long as a Little League baseball game. My son just uh, had his first playoff game last week and went from 6 to 9 p.m. Paul wants to tell the church in Ephesus about the tremendous blessings with which God has blessed them. So he doesn't take a break for 202 words in the Greek. We took a break, though. Last time we were in this chapter in verse, we ended in verse 8. All right, and Paul begins this sentence with, Blessed be God. Praise be to God. Give him praise. Why? Because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Some of those blessings that we discussed last time are that he had chosen us from eternity past. Something that's difficult to imagine. Before time itself began, God chose you. And what did he choose us for? To be holy and blameless. Holy like he is holy. And to praise him for his unmerited grace that he lavishes upon each of us. He chose you because he wanted to, not because of anything you have done. That's the unmerited grace. And then we ended on this this glorious blessing of redemption. Christ paid the highest price on the cross that we might be free from sin, free from the judgment of sin, free from the power of sin, and free ultimately from the corruption of sin. He purchased us so that we might no longer be slaves to sin, but instead slaves to Christ, the good and perfect master. And while we took a break there, Paul did not. He just kept going. And so today we're going to play catch up with Paul and continue on in this marvelous sentence, this uh, marvelous praise to God. All right, so first we're going to look at the the magnitude of God's grand plan. Verse 8, 8b. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. In all wisdom and insight. So not only did God make known to us the purpose of his redemption, but he, he gave us everything we need to understand the mystery of his will. All wisdom and insight he gave us through the Holy Spirit and his word. For example, he gave us wisdom and insight to understand the redemption of Christ on the cross, to know that he no longer holds us guilty for our sins because they have been paid for. And our new freedom from sin is not, is not so that we can... Uh, sin more, but so that we can serve the living God. And here, he gave us wisdom and insight to understand the mystery of his will. What is the mystery of his will? It's, it's his great plan for the salvation of all mankind. One that we saw begin way back in the Abram story, back in Genesis 12, when he told, them that he, when he told Abram that he would make him a great nation, that through him, all the nations of the world would be blessed. The mystery hidden in God in ages past has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit to his apostles who have shared it with everyone else. The mystery, the wisdom of God, is Christ crucified, who is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Now it's through this gospel that 
Paul tells us later on in this letter that, that Jews and Gentiles will be united into one body in Christ, the body of Christ. So the mystery is, is God's plan for salvation of all mankind through Christ crucified, and through him, every nation of the world will indeed be blessed. So God provided those that he chose all wisdom and insight in order to understand, accept, and believe the saving gospel of Jesus. It was a part of his plan that he put forth before time began and is made possible through Christ on the cross. And then in verse 10, we see the culmination of this marvelous plan. It says in verse 10, As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, what is God working towards? What future point in time is this plan leading up to? It's leading up to this fullness of time, all right? This, this word fullness, when it's coupled with this, the concept of time, communicates something being completed or something that has reached its goal. All right, Paul uses the same phrase in Galatians to uh, refer to Christ's birth. It came at the fullness of time. It came at the right time, at the appropriate time, according to God's plan. So it's a unique way to say a specific appropriate time. All right, okay. So it's like if I said, you know, our church, you know, began at the fullness of time for us. Like we all, Tracy and Nate prepared worship. I prepared the sermon. Isaac prepared Sunday school. And through all this preparation, you all came at the fullness of time, at the completion of all this church began. That's the idea. All right. So here Paul is using this phrase to refer to to the future, though, to a point in the future when Christ will unite all things in him. So this is referring to when Christ returns the last days, the final end of all things, where everything is going and where everything will end up. What all time is leading towards. God has a plan leading to that time. And in that time, there will be one day in the future where everything will be united and consummated in Christ. That is what God is planning and working towards to that final time when Christ will rule over all and align everything with him. We get a glimpse of that, what that will mean in the letter to the Ephesians in, in chapter 2. Because one of the amazing and glorious things that Christ's redemption does for mankind is that it, it unites Jews and Gentiles in the body of Christ. I'm going to read that passage for us. Chapter 2, I don't have it up here. It's chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you can look at that. If not, you can listen to my voice. I'm going to read it to you. Chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. Therefore, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. All right? So Christ is he's uniting, aligning all things in himself, things that were once considered impossible by the power of man are now united under the reign of Christ. That is what God is working towards. One day, all things will be made right because of the rule and reign of Jesus. Right now, outside of Christ, there is suffering, there is confusion, there is hatred, there is violence, power struggles, racial divisions, gender identity crises, breakdowns in marriages, breakdowns in families. It feels like chaos reigns in the world. But one day, in God's grand plan, everything is going to be united and aligned with Christ, in him, under him. In fact, Paul says everything in heaven and on earth will be united in him, right? That seems pretty comprehensive. One commentator puts it this way, and I enjoy the way they put it. The entire universe, the things in heavens and the things on the earth, from black holes to badgers, from nebulas to nightingales, from transgalactic forces to intermolecular forces, from planets to potatoes. Everything, everything is being administered, harmonized, consummated in Christ, the unifying agent of all things. All things temporal and spiritual will align themselves in Jesus. The effects of sin will no longer reign, but in Christ, all will be made well. So we've heard so much here about God's grand plan, yet not much about our role in it. Where do we come in? Well, let's continue on to verse 11, where I look at the participants of his plan. Verse 11. In Christ, we too have been claimed as God's own possession, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, the beginning of verse 11 might vary in your translations. There's, there's two, I think, legitimate translations in the very beginning. Some say that we have been given an inheritance, and some say that we have been claimed as an inheritance. All right? Now, I believe the best translation out of those two, they're both good, the best one I think here is that God has claimed us as his inheritance. But we know whichever translation is, is, is the intention, both statements are true and not exclusive of each other. Those who have been claimed as God's special possession also have an inheritance in the kingdom of God and in all spiritual blessings. And those who have been given an inheritance by God are also his special possession, his church. That's us. We are his special possession, and we are a part of his grand plan to unite all things in Christ. I'm sure you've noticed if you've read through verses 3 to 14 that ever, if you ever read through it, that not only does Paul mention God and his plans throughout it, but he includes us in those plans. First person, second person pronouns are just all throughout it. Blessed be the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us for adoption to himself. 
to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. Making known to us the mystery of his will. In Christ we too have been claimed as, a, as God's own possession so that we who were the first to set our, our hope on Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Our, us, we, y'all, whatever it is that God has planned, he clearly has you and I in mind when accomplishing this plan. He has done so much to ensure that we are going to be a part of that plan and play an important role, you and me. And all of verse 11 is just another reminder of the point I've made before. God has been very intentional and very deliberate in this plan. He has chosen, he has predestined, he has purposed, and he has willed that his grand plan would come to pass. And clearly, he intends you and I to be a part of it. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. This is almost a repetition of verse 6. We have been claimed, predestined, purposed for his praise and his glory, to praise him and to glorify him for all the many ways in which he has blessed us. That Paul has listed out in detail in this sentence. Now, the way in which Paul describes his, uh, God's inclusion of us in his grand plan is that it's, it's a marvelous blessing for us. Not only has he redeemed us from sin, but God has made sure to include us in his plan to align all things in Christ, to unite all things under him. We are a part of that plan. Now, of course, we cannot make Christ return when we want him to and make the end times begin, but we can participate in uniting all things in Christ in our lives now, not only by sharing his gospel, but by obeying his word. We have a purpose. We have a goal. We have an exalted status and privilege um, as a special possession of God, as the body of Christ. And this purpose, this exalted status, this privilege we have as the redeemed of the Lord, participating in his grand plan comes with a guarantee. All right? Let's look at the certainty of his plan, verses 13 to 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now, this is the simple truth that when we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit to indwell in us. That was promised by Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. It cleanses us. It guides us. It has many ministries within us. But the one thing it does that Paul focuses on here is that it guarantees that we indeed do belong to God and that everything he promises about us will come to pass. My translation says guarantee. Yours might say down payment, pledge, or first installment. Okay? Um, That Bible has a helpful note on this one. It denotes the first payment or first installment of money or goods 
goods, which serves as a guarantee or pledge for the completion of a transaction. In the New Testament, the term is used only figuratively of the Holy Spirit as the down payment of the blessings promised by God. In the already-not-yet scheme of the New Testament, the possession of the Spirit now by believers can be viewed as a guarantee that God will give them the balance of the promised blessings in the future. All right? So the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that what God has promised about us will come to fruition. It's a done deal. We will be God's promised possession. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of God's ownership over us. It's a guarantee of the inheritance we have as children adopted in Christ. And thus, Paul ends the longest sentence in the New Testament, very appropriately so, with a guarantee that because of the Holy Spirit's presence in us, we can know that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. There's a now and not yet component to it all as well. We have a great purpose now and a great hope to look forward to. And so the thing I want us to take away from this passage today is this. As the redeemed of the Lord, reassured with the down payment of the Holy Spirit, let us seek to join in his grand plan for his creation, to unite all things in Christ. As the redeemed of the Lord, reassured with the down payment of the Holy Spirit, let us seek to join in his grand plan for his creation, to unite all things in Christ. I remember in high school, I played on a travel soccer team, which is, they're just so intense. You have to go everywhere. It just takes all your time. I don't need to get on that soapbox. But um, I played on a travel soccer team. We practiced on this big, uh, um, what's it called? This big soccer complex, all right? It had a lot of fields, many fields. We usually practice on the same one uh, every time we have practice, all right? One day, we, we practiced on a different soccer field, and one kid was late for the practice. And so we were all looking for him, and we thought we saw him coming. We couldn't really tell. And it's interesting that I remember this. It wasn't like a really big, impactful thing. Apparently it was, but it just, I just remember the conversation that the, ki- uh, the kids had and our coach had. One kid asked, is, is that Peter? And another kid said, no, that's not Peter. Peter walks with purpose. That kid looks like a chicken with his head cut off. I don't know if he actually said that, but something like that. And I remember the coach said something that that always stuck with me. He said, uh, well, you can't walk with purpose if you don't know where you're going. So it probably is Peter. He doesn't, doesn't know where we are. For us, for our purposes today, I would like to change that to you can't live with purpose if you don't have a goal. And we as Christians have a goal. We have a purpose to unite all things in Christ. For each one of us, that might look different. Certainly, for each one of us, it entails preaching the word, teaching the gospel, teaching the word of God and studying it and knowing it. And uh, although God's plan is a grand and marvelous and, and, and big thing, for us to participate in it doesn't necessarily mean we have to do something really, really big. For you, it could be as simple as, as, as sharing the gospel with someone that you have been pushing off sharing it with. For a while, it could be something like uh, parents. If you've been pushing off and incorporating and teaching your kids about the 
Bible about what it means to be a Christian, it would mean to start doing that. Get going on that. It could be just living out what it means to be a Christian. It could be at work doing more than what you're just required to do. It could be as a business person, maybe missing out on a sale in order to do what is right. Or it could be if you have a problem with an addiction, something like porn or alcohol or drugs, taking that first step to to cleansing your life of those things. It could be finally assisting that homeless person that you've been passing by all the time or participating in that ministry you keep saying you want to give a try. Whatever it is, my hope today, this week, is that you and I will seek to take a step like that, seek to join in God and his grand plan to unite all things in Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful that, Lord, you're not a God that just uh, reacts to things haphazardly. You're not whimsical. Uh, Lord, you, you, you have a plan. You're very intentional. And God, what a blessing, what an honor it is for us to be involved and incorporated and brought into that magnificent, glorious plan that you have for the entire cosmos. God, to unite all things in Christ. Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us, guide us, help us understand how, how we could join in in that plan to uh, help others to know Jesus, to share his gospel, to share his message. What would that look like for each one of us? What would that look like uh, for this church? So, Lord, uh, please bless us as we seek to do that. Thank you for your many, many blessings, Lord, for your great plan, for your great design, for blessing us with every spiritual blessing. And God, may your word uh, penetrate and change our hearts today and this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray.